Support for the South Carolina lead is made possible in part by Columbia Metropolitan Airport. For more information, flycae.com. Hello and welcome to the South Carolina lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on January 21st, 2022 from my home studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a breakdown of Governor Henry McMaster's 5th State of the State Address with the state's Mayan Schechter. We look at the latest on the congressional map the Senate approved, and we preview what's to come in the third week of the legislative session. We skip business this episode to make extra time for Mayan and for an in-depth report from Scott Morgan on opioids and what first responders in one county are seeing. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, so we set up a voicemail box to hear from you all about your life during these tricky times. Leave us a one, two, three minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. Leave your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your neck of the woods. I know my neck of the woods is looking a little wintry right now, a little messy out there. Let us know how you're handling the whether it's snow, ice, sleet, rain. What's going on? It's a weird, weird time to be in South Carolina weather-wise. Let us know, 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is widespread, ongoing, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 15,098 total deaths, and currently there are 1,265,710 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of January 21st at 4 p.m. Johns Hopkins reports that the U.S. is averaging 755,095 new cases every day and 1,669 deaths. COVID-19 hospitalizations in the United States set another record high this week with a seven-day average of 21,086 new hospitalizations per day. Our current percent positive is 32.9%. There are 2,468 South Carolinians hospitalized with COVID-19, 437 are in intensive care, and 225 are on ventilators. All of those numbers are up week over week. Currently, 52.7% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. Did you catch the governor's State of the State address on Wednesday night? No? Yes? Maybe? Yes? Some of it? Well, it was similar to his executive budget announcement the week before, but a bit grander since it was before a joint assembly of House and Senate lawmakers as well as other dignitaries. So we got our own dignitary, Mayan Schechter, politics editor at the state newspaper, to talk on This Week in South Carolina about what she heard from the governor. And just a note, we were talking over Skype. So I'm sure if the governor was going to give sort of a brief summary and just a few, uh, maybe a couple of words of what his state of the state address, which is largely his executive budget, would be bold and transformative. Uh, And that is, I think, what we saw in the budget. There are billions of dollars that are coming into South Carolina that are really already here in both state and federal um, allotments that the legislature has to spend. And so much of what the governor talked about in his state of the state was how the legislature, he believes, should spend the billions of dollars. We heard a lot of conversation about uh, education. Money is, that millions of dollars is always going to education every year. So we heard about teacher pay raises. We heard about merit pay raises for other state agency employees. We heard about millions of dollars for transportation, uh, including roads, water and sewer. Uh, We heard about broadband. We heard about millions going toward mental health. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so much of what the governor talked about was really these big ticket, big high price policy ideas that I definitely think will see flow through the legislature this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all pretty easy to do to promise and to really propose all these grand plans when you have billions of dollars to spend. Too, like you said, lawmakers are doing that. That's their. He he kind of gives them the idea. Uh, says what his priorities are, but it's it comes down to lawmakers crafting the budget, which House lawmakers are doing right now. Right, exactly. As you know, Gavin, the governor gets to propose his spending wish list in January, and uh, I think it's safe to say that maybe unlike some of his predecessors, the governor has a very good relationship with the legislature, which actually goes a very long way in getting some of those uh, priority wish list items um, completed. Uh, he has a particularly even better relationship, as you know, with the House. That's where the budget starts. So it's very likely that we'll see some of those priorities, probably many of those priorities, flow through uh, the budget that will go through the House Ways and Means Committee. Mm-hmm. And on it's an election year, uh, not just for House members, but also for the governor himself uh, running for a second term. He has no Republican challengers. We saw uh, the potential challenger, John Warren, drop out, say he was not going to run against the governor. Uh, there are two Democrats vying for the nomination to challenge him in November. But, you know, in election year, we the governor, during these speeches, it kind of becomes like a pseudo-campaign speech as well. You know, you have statewide broadcast coverage, radio, TV, all across the state, uh, to kind of lay out these your agenda and talk about how great things have been. And, and, you know, rightfully so, there have been a lot of accomplishments. Things are looking up for our state. Economy is great. Uh, unemployment's very low. But when it comes down to some other things, you know, he didn't he didn't mince his word there too. His words when he was trying to make some jabs, uh, you know, at the Democrats both nationally and locally. Kind of tell us what you heard in some of the more partisan parts of this speech. Right. So, just because the governor may not have a high-profile challenger uh, in the primary, it's still a handful of months before the primary. So he is very much still on a primary politicking kind of schedule. I did not count the number of times that he said Joe Biden's name last night in his speech. Mm -hmm. I think I saw a tweet that it may have been around seven or eight, Uh, but he certainly used uh, his state of the state address, his fifth state of the state address, to go after the Biden administration, particularly when it came down to the uh, COVID-19 mandates that the Biden administration had hoped uh, the Supreme Court would not reject, but which they did, uh, especially Mm -hmm. for those employers with 100 or more employees. Yeah, that was a big, uh, big accomplishment there too. Big victory. Yeah, no, we heard a lot of stuff talking about, uh, you know, jabbing at some Democratic-run states. Also hearing about how the Biden administration was paying people to stay home during the pandemic, uh, which we all know was because of a pandemic. But also that money flowing into our coffers right now. No one's complaining about that. So it's interesting to see that, and we have seen the continuous battle back and forth between the administration and getting that accomplishment with the Supreme Court. But we also saw some national rhetoric around education, which we know Republicans are really focusing on, especially after the victory in Virginia with. Glenn Youngkin, the Republican there, really cashing in on that you know critical race here, which we didn't hear about in this speech, but we did hear some some discussion about you know parents getting more involved, being uh, correct when it comes to the education process. Uh, tell us about what he wants to see done though with education funding, kind of overhauling this. Is that easier said than done? It seems like one of the bigger issues uh, that comes with education these days. Yeah, I I don't know if it's like tax reform or ethics reform, but it is definitely going to be a heavy lift. I mean, it's interesting to me, you know, just a few short years ago, I remember the uh, Revenue and Fiscal Affairs Office putting together some kind of new funding formula for education. And then here we are revisiting the exact same thing because they weren't able to get it over the finish line last year. It's not a sexy topic. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be a lot for the legislature to digest. 
Um, but that's certainly one of the big overhauls that I think the uh, McMaster administration and the governor, as well as his staff and uh, state house leaders, especially those who are uh, dealing with the budget and education, want to see at least some time fixed in their lifetime. Uh, another uh, key portion of his executive budget includes pay raises for teachers around $2,000. Um, of course, teachers do not feel that that is enough, especially when you consider the last couple of years uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic when uh, the teacher shortage continued to skyrocket. I think I heard a number the other day over a thousand classrooms did not have full-time teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and also uh, a lot of school districts are still bouncing between doing kind of hybrid, being in class, out of class. So teachers and uh, those that represent them are definitely lobbying for, for higher um, pay raises. And then, Mayan, really quick, with 30 seconds left, I want to ask you about the Democratic response. We heard from Spencer Wetmore from Charleston. It's just what stood out to you really quickly from that response. Well, I, I think what stood out the most is sort of like it, it kind of embodied the way that Spencer Wetmore entered the legislature in the first place. Uh, she is a Charleston Democrat who won a seat that was long held by Republicans. She is the really only Democratic success story in 2020 uh, because Republicans were able to flip five seats. So really what stood out from her speech was kind of an embodiment of her running in the first place. Um, it was pretty nonpartisan. Uh, she was very complimentary of the governor. She talked about you know, settling down the, the political rhetoric. Mm -hmm. um, but again, this is a primary election year and this election year in general. So <laughs> I don't know how long for. that will last. <laughs> yeah. If you want the full interview, check it out on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. Moving on, on Thursday, the Senate approved its version of a new congressional map of the state's seven congressional districts. This version and the one approved by the House are largely similar to each other and to what is already on the books. However, the difference is how the maps adjust for the population growth in the 1st Congressional District and the shrinking 6th Congressional District. We'll have an in-depth look at that debate and insight from the League of Women Voters, Lynn Teague, in Tuesday's pod. Right now, the map needs approval from the House before it gets to the governor's desk. However, all of this clears the way for debate to start in the Senate next week on Senator Tom Davis's medical marijuana bill, which, of course, we'll bring you coverage of because they'll be talking about it for a while, folks. And on the way out next Tuesday, that's right, Tuesday, is the primary day for the Senate 31 seat in Florence and Darlington counties that the late Senator Hugh Leatherman occupied for more than 41 years. The Republican primary fight is between House Representative Jay Jordan and local businessman Mike Rickenbach. There is one Democrat running, Suzanne LaRochelle. The special election in the Republican district is March 29th. Should Jordan win the primary, the likely path to fill his seat would be through the typical filing process, which opens March 16th. Okay, we're in our medical section right now, or as you may remember it as, our Scott Morgan section. That's right, South Carolina Public Radio's Scott Morgan has an in-depth report for us on a different epidemic that is still ravaging our state and country, opioids. Scott talks with first responders in Lancaster County about the ongoing cycle many addicts face. This is what the synthetic opioid crisis looks like in Lancaster from the first responder side. The user is becoming more aware that this could possibly be lethal to them, so they are going to public places. They go to Walmart parking lots because they know somebody's gonna drive by and see them unconscious and call 911. Or they have their buddy stand by with their resurrection drug, and as soon as they go out, they you know their buddy's gonna give them this antidote and they're gonna wake back up so they can do it over and over and over. 
Resurrection. Sprayed up one's nose under the brand name Narcan. Revival from an overdose of street-made drugs packed with fentanyl and who knows what. For the user, euphoric bliss, then nothingness, and then if someone with resurrection finds them... We ask them, don't you understand what this is doing to you? They go, no, I was unconscious the whole time. All they know is they take the drug, they feel good, and then next thing you know, the medics are there. They look up and go, hey guys, it's us again. They don't remember them throwing up or not breathing or turning blue. They don't remember any of that part. For EMTs like Greg Brasington, it's an echoing loop of familiar faces coming to and cheating death. Thank you for playing Russian Roulette. See you in the parking lot when someone finds me going blue. What's infuriating for first responders fighting to wrest overdose patients from the grip of exponentially stronger and more dangerous knockoff opioids is these in-public cat-and-mouse games with death are the better outcome. The ones that we're losing are the ones that go and hide out in a field in the, in the wooded areas so nobody finds them for a couple of days. I mean, we've had some people that we have given the, the antidote multiple, multiple times. And then there is that one case when they do it in the middle of the night and nobody finds them until it's too late. And those are the ones that breaks our hearts because we know we could have fixed it. First responders tend to be type A's who don't like to lose, but they also tend to be people who want to help. And having to bring back the same users from the dark over and over can wear out people who make their living trying to save lives. We do have a counselor that deals with first responder issues two days a week on staff at the sheriff's office. Holly Furr is the coordinator of the state first responder grant that made COPE, the county's comprehensive opioid abuse program, possible through the Lancaster Sheriff's Office. Now in its third year, COPE is a more holistic approach to fighting the opioid problem in county. It features community support and treatment programs for users, or rather clients, built on Sheriff Barry Fail's assertion that the county cannot arrest its way out of an opioid crisis. COPE has made big strides in reaching residents in harm's way, but not without cost to the people charged with reaching them. Becoming more emotionally attached to a patient is dangerous because you can put yourself at risk. Helen Gordon is a paramedic with the Lancaster Squad. She's been an EMT for 44 years and says she should know better than to get too close to patients. But logic is easier said than felt in the real world. You have to compartmentalize. You have to hold yourself at a distance and remember that it's a professional relationship, but then there's heartstrings that gets tugged at. Sometimes clients die. Sometimes someone trying to get well gets pregnant. Sometimes dispatchers take harrowing calls and don't know how the situation turned out. Stuff like this can kill you. If, Holly Fur says, you let it. You can't take this home and, and keep replaying it. So you've got to do a lot of self-care and keep those boundaries best you can. It's not just mental health in peril on a job where opioids factor in. It's also physically dangerous to go anywhere near anything laced with fentanyl. It's thousands of times more dangerous when laced with carfentanyl, an anesthetic used by veterinarians on large animals like horses and bears and by street-level dealers looking to sell replacement drugs now that prescription painkillers are so much harder to get. These powders are so toxic, Gordon says, even light contact with the skin or mucous membranes can send first responders into the abyss. There have been cases where fentanyl or carfentanil is absorbed into your skin, and you go out, you get that euphoric mm -hmm. feeling that Greg was talking about, 
You get that euphoric feeling and you're out unless you get that Narcan in right away. It's so likely that Gordon has updated her on-call wardrobe. I started wearing a vest, and I don't have it on right now, but I started wearing a vest about a year and a half ago or so, and it has a little pouch right here, and I carry enough Narcan in there for the team, myself, and my two colleagues that are with me, separate from the stuff I carry for my patients. Extra Narcan is especially useful on law enforcement raids, where Gordon says the risk of someone throwing laced powder in your face is closer to a guarantee than a threat. Fur says that what hurts is knowing that COPE was actually really working well at cutting down demand for opioids in Lancaster, right up until 2020. The pandemic has done us no favors at all. Our numbers were looking good before things hit, or at least better. And since um, numbers just really across the nation have been have been rising. Lancaster reported 305 opioid-related calls in 2019, the year COPE began, and nearly 250 calls through just the first half of last year. Thank you, Scott, for that important report. You can find that and other work by reporters at SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And on the way out, the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security reports that next week, the Biden administration will supply 400 million high-quality masks at no cost to the U.S. population through community health centers and pharmacies. The N95 respirators, which will come from the strategic national stockpile, offer the highest level of protection from COVID-19, according to new guidance from the U.S. CDC. It is not clear yet how many masks will be available to each person at one time, and recipients will not be prioritized based on vulnerability, income, or other criteria. And remember, you can also get four free at-home tests from the federal government by visiting covidtests.gov. Welcome to our wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear your stories as well. Tell us how you're handling things, especially this winter weather mix that is probably affecting you and yours across the state right now. Let us know. Hopefully you're safe. Don't be driving out there right now. But if you are, maybe make a hands-free phone call to 803-563-7169. Hands-free, folks. We don't want you holding hands the phone. Hands-free, okay? okay? No hands. 2022. Right. Get your hands on the wheel where it belongs. Where they belong. Right? Safety. This is, this is a safety pod, okay? Yes, it's this is the disguised. portion of the pod where we talk about safety. It's been disguised as anything else. But this is about, I mean, Gavin has a big, he called in actually today, and it's all about It's all about pads. safety. You know, my biggest um, safety <laughs> gripe fear actually is uh, slip hazards at the workplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I have my Crocs on. Uh, my, uh, my extra I stick. don't think your Crocs will save you, my friend. I mm-hmm. don't. I think they're you're putting really a little soft. too much in there. They're really soft. I'm sorry I brought up. I'm sorry I brought I, up. I, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to let it go. But well, we do have a call. Okay. Oh, okay. Right. Of course. That's a great pivot, right? <laughs> Crocs to calls. <laughs> um, so uh, we got a great call, all star. So we already had Mayan. Mayan, great friend of the pod. Yeah. So now we got to get to. We got one from uh, someone everyone is going to recognize here. You. So uh, Gavin, should I should I press play? You should. And I think it, it, it is a good pivot because she's on a, the fashion council. Is my understanding. Oh, that's no spoiler. No spoiler alert. Hi, Gavin and AT. This is your friend Meg. I am calling, um, I guess, just to make sure that the hopper doesn't get too empty, and also because I'd like to weigh in on a few um, topics that have come up lately. 
First off, we need to talk about ranch and specifically ranch as it relates to pizza. As for me and my house, we stand ranch at all times on whatever we'd like to put it on. And that is definitely pizza. And that is the crust. That is any other part of the pizza. It is really, it's a choice and we support it. And AT, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong because you are from Jersey and I respect your pizza prowess. However, ranch is perfectly acceptable and it is always on our dining table. Um, I also just, you know, have had plenty of ranch and pizza in the past. Maybe I'm just kind of super aggressive on this topic because neither ranch nor pizza are on my current and future um, lifelong post-cancer diet. Uh, I miss them both terribly, so I guess I just really needed to make sure that their legacy lives on since I can't directly contribute to it personally. Um, I also wanted to talk about some inbox maintenance. I am trying to follow Gavin's very good example at immediately unsubscribing from whatever junk may come my way. I'm doing an okay job with it, but my combined inbox total is currently still over 35,000. I feel like that's probably going to stress AT out. I apologize for that, but I'm going to do my darndest to try to be better about that in 2022, and I will be happy to give you both an update. So stay well, be strong, and I hope to see you both very soon. Take care. Meg Kennard, oh my God, she didn't tell me she was calling. That was such a such a little treat for us. First off, Ooh, a little treat. The ranch and pizza, how incredible! Uh, I did not expect the standing, but I I do know that she I has an active either. family, and of course, you know when you have kids, you're gonna want that ranch and, and that pizza ranch, on the table. Real, it supports that active lifestyle, a family on the go, right? I, I will <laughs> say that I have not seen Meg eat ranch. I mean, obviously, Personally. like she said in the past year, she has you know changed her diet substantially, but. Even but you've known more than one year. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, before that, I still don't <laughs> recall it. But, I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to question her mother uh, shopping abilities there. Of course, her family, uh, true American patriots, eating that ranch right there with their pizza. Yep, yep. Um, one hand on your ranch, one hand on your Bible. I get it. Yeah. And I, um, AT, was, <laughs> was, it was fun to watch his reactions and his... His noises to everything Meg was saying because he was just you're, you're cringing <laughs> and part of you was uh, dying uh, inside over uh, your respect for uh, Meg and like why Meg, is this happening? No. <laughs> and then she said that part about the legacy. <laughs> Lost it. <laughs> but I love the part about the inbox too. I will say I, I did something where um, you can go into your Outlook and you know right click and mark them all as red. So I've done that. Yeah. So now on my phone, I'm, I'm even more stressed out now because I used to have, you know, a thousand. It would say a thousand. Now I have like 512 or the other day it was like 14 and it freaked mm -hmm. me out because I'm Those so used to friends. just seeing numbers yeah. that Those just are your don't friends. make sense. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so the inbox battle continues. I, I get it. I, I get it, Meg. Okay. You like ranch, I, your body, your choice. You know what I mean? But sure. do, do you like pizza is my question, you know, because she did like pizza. It, but if you're slathering it in ranch, I don't think you she would do pizza and ranch. You, she said it goes on pizza. In yeah, the call. I, I don't think she. I mean, I can't. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I can't imagine Meg eating ranch with pizza. Now, maybe people in know. her home do, but um, mm. 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 I get your mama. You got to protect your cubs, but I mean, but do you do you ranch at all? Like ranch and no. carrots? I I my the most ranch I do is is Cool Ranch Doritos, and I eat those <laughs> maybe out. once a year. That is maybe once out. a year. Maybe you now, know? I, will I haven't say, had them in a year. Right I've now. Uh, I've I've transitioned from the ranch years ago. Um, mm -hmm. You transitioned what I, to what? Well, what I do if I do need to do ranch for you know 
parties or dips, it's better to use Greek yogurt and then get the, you know, Hidden Valley Ranch packet, mix it in. It's healthier. It's better for mm. you. You cannot taste a difference, in my opinion. So that's a little life hack from Gavin's kitchen. I would go Sitsiki. Oh, Gav's kitchen. I would go Sitsiki, you know? <laughs> oh, Sitsiki. Oh, I got baby. it in the fridge right now. It's easy to make. Yes. It takes... 10 minutes, you know, from it's, our kitchen, it's, it's, from our kitchen to yours, to yours. <laughs> <laughs> if we had our way, we'd have a disgusting cooking show filmed all by drones. <laughs> oh God. Is that the future? It's definitely the yeah, future. Definitely. Is, definitely yeah. Didn't you have a, a fashion question for Meg too? Oh yeah. Well, it's not really a question as is. Um, so uh, a big fashion milestone, I think in my life mm. is it's coming tomorrow. Okay. Oh. <laughs> For the first time in about 20 years, I ordered jeans. Whoa. You yeah. didn't tell me yeah. you didn't tell me this. You're telling everyone at the same I time know. you're telling me this? I'm wearing yes. jeans right now. I I don't own a pair of jeans. Incredible. Uh, but I, I have purchased them and they will be on the way. Unless Snowmageddon stops them from coming. So the intervention. Have to get, the intervention. I will have to get you and Meg. Yeah, this is divine intervention to keep these jeans from me. Uh, I'll have to get you and Meg's uh, call on these jeans. Interesting that you you ordered them online, having never worn jeans before. You don't know yes. what they're like. So then, how did you make the determination to order these? Okay, and the yeah. sizing there. So uh, I was, Caitlin and I, we were in bed, and I I just said, Caitlin, I think I think I'm ready for jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> I have lost weight and a lot of my pants don't fit. So right now I have like <laughs> three pairs of pants, Brag. Four, three pairs of pants that fit me right now. Uh -huh. And I was like, you know what? I think I need jeans. Wow. And she just immediately went online. I think she was ready. I think Caitlin Clearly, was ready. Clearly, yeah. She, was like, she went on and she bought two pairs of jeans from Express because, and I quote, their return policy is great. So, okay. <laughs> so okay. Uh, um, we'll see. And I have dress pants that are Express. So she went and checked the size and ordered the same thing, jeans. Okay, okay that makes sense. I'm yeah. seeing that now. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm a lucky brand jean guy and Levi's pretty much... Mm -hmm. I know, wanted. I obviously wanted uh, black jeans. Okay, and yeah, this is where okay. I could get black jeans. A very exciting moment for oh, you. So, oh, also, w a weird thing happened when I was getting ready for this pod. I went downstairs to get the charger for my computer that I'm talking to you on. Interesting. And next, to, the charger was plugged in still on, and it was sitting on the floor in the brick. There were two lizards <laughs> sleeping next to it because it was the warmest spot in oh, the basement. <laughs> anyway, keep going. I thought you were going to say there was a raccoon, but that's just no, as li adorable. Lizards. <laughs> and I, I mean, I threw them outside. I didn't kill them. I threw them outside, saving their lives because if my cats found them, Oof. they would have ravaged them. <laughs> a true lizard's, a, a true lizard's thicket there. <laughs> oh yes, a lizard's gizzard would have been on the floor. Anyway, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a fun wind down. What mm. a fun, what well, a fun time. You know? high, if, if I do have to say so myself, <laughs> high energy, you know, real high tea. <laughs> yeah, especially since, um, well, we don't need to worry about that. Anyway, <laughs> love that ending. Anyway, take it out, Gavin. We're leaving that in. <laughs> we will see you on Tuesday. And by then, I want someone to call us. Okay? <laughs> you got to do right. it. 803-563-7169. We love hearing from you guys. And do like Megan. Leave us a voicemail. Let us know where you are, what's going on. And you can also show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on iTunes. We love that, too. You can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Welcome to the wind down. Um, <laughs> this is how I cope. This is how I, this is when I cry. <laughs>